How is everybody? All right, well, before we jump into prayer, we're going to continue through the London Baptist Confession. Did everyone get a copy of this handout that would like one? I have a few more. Anybody else need one? Do you need one? All right, so the, uh, the scripture that's been our theme as we've gone through uh, chapter 1 of the confession is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I want to start this morning by just doing a quick review of where we've gone so far. So, uh, chapter 1 is on the Holy Scriptures, and we've, uh, or almost through chapter 1. We're going to do paragraph 9 this evening, but a uh, quick review of the other uh, eight, chat, eight paragraphs that we've covered so far. Um, we've covered... Uh, And this outline is um, from the commentary that Mr. Law has been referring to uh, by Waldron. But the necessity of Scripture in uh, paragraph 1, I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, but the the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, uh, the written word of God, is how God has revealed himself and declared his will to his church. So because it's... Uh, God's written word, and it contains everything we need, like we read for life and godliness, it's necessary. So paragraph one was about its necessity. And then uh, paragraphs two and three talked about the identity of Scripture. So uh, what uh, paragraph two, I think, was what was included in Scripture, which is the uh, what we know as the Old Testament and New Testament. And then paragraph three was what was not included in Scripture. So, uh, and anyone remember paragraph three, what it specifically was referencing as not being part of Scripture? The right, the Apocrypha. And uh, that was big at the time that they were uh, writing this, as that specifically was. Uh, identified as not part of scripture. Uh, Then paragraphs four and five spoke of the authority of scripture and why is scripture authoritative? What makes it authoritative? Right. Because it's God who's speaking, right? It's God, it's God, it's his own words. So it's not dependent on whether I say it has authority or if it, uh, if it, you know, I, as Bodie Bauckham says, I tried it and it works. Uh, that's not what makes Scripture authoritative. It's because it's God's word. And then it's sufficiency uh, in paragraph 6. Uh, basically, Scripture has contains everything we need for life and godliness, which is uh, essentially what we read in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, then it's clarity. So is everything in Scripture clear? No. It's uh, everything that we need to know for salvation is clear. 
some parts of scripture are more clear than others and uh, some scripture is more clear to some people than to other people but everything is not clear but it is everything that is needed for salvation is clear and it's availability paragraph 8 that's what we covered last week so we have original language manuscripts that have been kept pure by God's providence, and then we have it translated into our, our common tongue. So that's quick quick review of what we covered so far, and tonight we're going to go on to this last section. We're going to cover paragraph 9 this time, uh, which speaks of its finality, why Scripture is the final judge. So can I get a volunteer for someone to read that? Paragraph 9, either off the screen or off the sheet that I handed out. Dave? The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. And therefore, when there is a question about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which are not many but one, it must be searched by other places that speak more clearly. Thank you. So back to what we talked about. And really this, this ties into all the other paragraphs we've read so far on Scripture. Uh, but for Scripture to be authoritative, for it to be the final rule, can we use anything else to interpret Scripture besides Scripture itself? Right. We can have other helps and guides uh, but in order for a scripture to be authoritative, uh, it also has to be the final authority that we use to interpret it. So we're going to turn to a few scripture passages. They're listed on the handout there um, and review those in, uh, as a light to uh, what we're reading in our confession. So Acts, we'll start with the Acts passage, 15 15 to 17. Uh, Can I get another volunteer to read that? Or I'll pick somebody. Matthew. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tents of David that have fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things. Thank you. So, anybody have an idea what the context of that passage is? It's uh, the Jerusalem Council debate as to whether the Gentiles needed to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. So here's a question uh, within the scriptures. Uh, and that what Peter, if you read the whole chapter, uh, what Peter uses to defend the fact that they do not need to be circumcised, the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised, uh, is additional scripture, which is Acts 15 is here referencing additional scripture. Uh, but what he's saying here in verse 15 and why it's in the confession is the words of the prophet agree. 
of the prophets agree in verse 15. So they agree, uh, one, that salvation has always been by faith. So uh, there, uh, for the Gentiles to be saved, it did not require that they be circumcised. Here's a, a, a comment from Calvin on this passage, John Calvin. We see now how the apostles took nothing to themselves imperiously, but did reverently follow that which was prescribed in the word of God by citing the prophets in the plural number to be witnesses, whereas he doth allege one place only, he signifies that there is such an agreement among them that that which is spoken by one is the common testimony of them all, because they speak with one mouth, and everyone speaketh as in the person of all, or rather the Spirit of God speaketh in them. So essentially what Calvin is saying is, since it's a, God is the author and the Spirit is the one who inspired all of Scripture, uh, the words of the prophets agree. And then Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right, so what does this passage tell us about uh, how scripture came to be. Well, it came by inspiration of God through the Holy Spirit, not through man's wisdom. Right. It wasn't just some smart guy that had a good psychology degree. Right. So in this chapter, Peter is he's saying he was an eyewitness uh, of Christ's majesty. It says that earlier in the chapter. He didn't follow cleverly devised myths. Uh, but the word of God that didn't come from someone's own interpretation. Uh, Matthew Henry said on this passage, The accomplishment of the Old Testament by the New and the agreeableness of the New Testament to the Old are a full demonstration of the truth of both. Read the Old Testament as a prophecy of Christ, and with diligence and thankfulness, use the New as the best exposition of the Old. The Holy Spirit is a supreme agent. The holy men are but instruments. The Holy Spirit inspired and dictated to them what they were to deliver of the mind of God. All right. So when we talk about interpreting scripture, how we are interpret how we are to interpret scripture, what's the theological term for that? Very good. Hermeneutics. So hermeneutics is the basic principles for in, 
the interpretation concerning the books of the Bible. So would everyone agree that there's right and wrong ways to interpret Scripture? So this is, I listed a few basic principles here. Obviously, the one is what we're primarily talking about tonight. But first of all, and Mr. Law talked about this not too long ago, we interpret it literally. So there's different books of the Bible uh, that are written in different ways, parables, narratives, uh, poems. There's uh, songs. So we, we interpret it literally. And we interpret it according to the ordinary rule of language. So we don't try to... Uh, distort words by thinking they have some super, supernatural meaning uh, different than just the ordinary interpre- interpretation of language. And then what we're talking about tonight, we interpret scripture by scripture. And essentially what that means is uh, it's in light of the entire Bible. We can't take one passage by itself uh, and isolate it, especially out of context. Um, we have to look at it uh, in light of what all of scripture, scripture teaches us on that subject. And, like we talked about in clarity, there's some passages that are more clear, some that are less clear, so we use the more clear passages to interpret the less clear passages. So, on this, on this principle of hermeneutics, I'll read a, uh, a paragraph from R.C. Sproul here. He says, finally, it is always important to interpret obscure passages by those that are clear. Though we affirm the basic clarity of sacred scripture, we do not at the same time say that all passages are equally clear. Numerous heresies have developed when people have forced conformity to the obscure passages rather than to the clear passages, distorting the whole message of scripture. If something is unclear in one part of Scripture, it, is prob- it probably is made clear elsewhere in Scripture. When we have two passages in Scripture that we can interpret in various ways, we want always to interpret the Bible in such a way, at, in such a way as to not violate the basic principle of Scripture's unity and integrity. At the time of the Reformation, to stop unbridled, speculative, and fanciful interpretations of Scripture, the Reformer set forth the fundamental axiom that should govern all biblical interpretation. It is called the analogy of faith, which basically means that the Holy Scripture is its own interpreter. In other words, we are to interpret Scripture according to Scripture. That is the supreme arbiter in interpreting the meaning of a particular passage in Scripture, is the overall teaching of the Bible. It is therefore slanderous to the Holy Spirit to choose an interpretation of a particular passage that unnecessarily brings a passage into conflict with that which he has revealed elsewhere. All right, so if we're using Scripture to uh, confirm Scripture, I guess let me give an example. So, the first passage that we, uh, the passage that we're, is our theme for this chapter, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we're using a verse from scripture to tell us that all scripture is inspired by God. So is that circular logic? We're using scripture to tell us that scripture is true? 
David? It is. it is. And is that, and why is that okay? In order for there to be an ultimate authority, it has to be circular. It has to be used to prove itself. Because if there was another authority to prove the Bible, then that would really be the higher authority. So for there to be an ultimate authority, it has to be circular. But uh, one caution as we look to using Scripture to... uh, Using scripture as our uh, to interpret scripture is proof texting. Has everyone, anyone ever heard of that term, proof texting? Uh, so here's a definition which you see up there: certain short passages, many times only a single verse, pulled from the Bible in support of a particular belief or doctrine. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but what if it does, what do you see as a problem with proof texting? Taken out of context. Right. It's typically tape, taken out of context, and it's starting with you rather than starting with Scripture. It's saying you have a point to prove, and you're going to find a Scripture passage to prove it. Here's another definition uh, of proof texting, it'd be the the method by which a person appeals to a biblical text to prove or justify a theological position without regard for the context of the passage they are citing. We were reading, uh, I've been reading with the boys uh, Living Among Lions. I don't know if anyone's read that book by the Benham Brothers. It's really good so far. I'd recommend it. But it's interesting, as we're reading just this week, uh, it talked a little bit about this as I was preparing. Here's a quote um, out of the book. If you approach, and I guess to give context in this chapter, they were asked to speak at a a seminary, a a theological seminary, and there was a panel asking them questions. um, And the panel... Uh, it sounds like it was fairly liberal, basically talking about uh, using the Bible, essentially proof texting, to um, uh, more in the sense that it can be relative. You know, it applies to you a certain way and applies to you a certain way. And uh, and this was one of the responses to the panel at the time. If you approach reading the Bible with you as the starting point then you can get God's word to say almost anything you want. Biblical Christians start with God first and then allow our experiences to be interpreted through his word as it tells us what we should believe, not the other way around. We are, sub- we are to submit to his word. His word does not, to s- does not submit to us. Which again reminded me of our Behold Your God study. If we're not starting in the right place if we're not starting with God as central. Has anyone ever seen proof texting or come across that in your defense of the faith? Or have any example? People would say God is love. 
Right. 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 So it's a perfect example because they would probably be using that to try to justify their actions or someone else's actions to say that they're right because God is love. So it should certainly... Uh, It is, and um, one way to spot it, obviously, sometimes it's very obvious, but in in topical teaching, they'll uh, it'll be short uh, short pieces of scripture, and usually from multiple different uh, translations of the Bible. So, sort of picking this translation aligns most with what I'm trying to communicate, and then they'll go to another passage of scripture, but use a different translation because it aligns more with what they're trying to communicate. So, so one thing to be on guard for, uh, there's a lot of false doctrine out there, and a lot of times it's uh, they'll have scripture to support their view, but really it's uh, proof texting, taken out of context. That's uh, excellent point. It's not coming to Scripture with an agenda of our own, but with uh, God's agenda. And um, the I was thinking of the, uh, I guess more of a side note, uh, another message that I heard um, from Grace Family Baptist Church. Uh, it was speaking on... Uh, the topic of the Sabbath and Sunday, 
and uh, how uh, many of the church members today have what he called a gridiron principle of hermeneutics in regards to the Sabbath. That any, any scripture that tells me that I can't watch football on Sunday must be wrong. Um, so, the, the gridiron principle of hermeneutics. So, uh, that made me think of that. But yeah, it's going to scripture with an agenda and really wanting it to say, uh, really just support our opinion rather than hear what, what God is saying. All right, so if you want to flip to that last slide, we'll just read the paragraph one more time in wrapping up. Uh, the infallible rule of the interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. And therefore, when there is a question about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which are not many but one, it must be searched by other places that speak more clearly. Any other thoughts or comments, questions? All right, well, I encourage you to use this, uh, this resource. Uh, it just has a bunch of questions to help continue your study on that topic and go through it individually or as a family. Uh, we found it to be a good resource. All right, well, we'll transition into...